This is HPR episode 1713 entitled FOSTOM 2015, Surveillance vs. Free Software, and is part of the series interviews. It is hosted by Tube Frank and is about 21 minutes long. The summary is, interviews at the free and open source developers meeting FOSTOM in Brussels. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This time I'd like to talk to you about the FOSDEM meeting 2015 in Brussels. What is FOSDEM? FOSDEM is the free and open source developers European meeting and it's certainly one of the biggest in Europe and it may even be the biggest in the world. Uh, on the FOSDEM page, uh, they advertise it's 5,000 plus hackers and more than 500 talks. And it is a very big meeting. It took place on the Université Libre de Bruxelles, the Free University of Brussels, which was very aptly chosen as far as the title goes. And uh, the geeks practically took over the whole campus for Saturday and Sunday. And it was just amazing to see. I went there for the first time. I'm certainly not a hacker or a programmer, but a Linux enthusiast and uh, discovered a lot of free software projects. And, and some of the talks were over my head, but many others were very interesting. You cannot go to all the talks. It's just it's just too much. But it's it's just amazing what what you can do and what you can hear and what people you can meet. And um, I'd like to introduce you to some of the people I talk to and some of their projects. Now, one of the uh, most interesting talks that I chose, at least, was one by a lawyer called Aaron Williamson, who works with the Free Software Foundation, and I think also with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, though I have to check that. And he gave a talk called Crypto Wars 2.0, in which he gave basically a brief history of surveillance and the pushback from the open and free software community and other activists. Um, from the early beginnings, the fight against encryption, up until the Patriot Act, Snowden revelations, of course, and what happened thereafter. And after that, I couldn't help but ask him a question uh, about the discussion we recently have here in Europe. We were just seeing another wave here in Europe because we had the attacks in Paris. And now politicians from everywhere pop up and say, now we need to 
be have more surveillance. British Prime Minister Cameron says we need to be able to read any encrypted conversation like that. Uh, how do you see that now? Uh, I think it's really cynical the way that uh, Cameron tried to bring encryption into that conversation because as far as I know, there's no evidence that the people who orchestrated the Charlie Hebdo attacks were uh, at all using encrypted communications. And so the idea that we... And, and, uh, and constantly when we talk about these issues, the politicians trot out case studies where there's no evidence that the government couldn't have gotten what they needed uh, through some other means. And so... Yeah, I think this is a really common um, way to sort of try and parlay a tragedy into uh, unrelated regulation. It happens all the time in this conversation, but I think that it's cynical and I don't think that it's it's legitimate. How much do you think is based on the lack of knowledge from politicians, how the internet works, how encryption works, how free software works, for example? I mean, I think that Cameron probably doesn't know a ton and is probably listening more to his surveillance uh, agencies than he is to... Um, to like advisors related to you know the or who know anything about e-commerce and that sort of thing because obviously like you have to have encryption for for commerce to work online and there are there are legitimate reasons that everyone should agree um, to use cryptography but um, yeah I mean I, I think that I think that there is I, I think that that probably GCHQ is manipulating Cameron's lack of knowledge and Cameron maybe just kind of doesn't care what the truth is. Is there any chance that we're seeing a transatlantic pushback to this? Because basically, we're both dealing with the same problem. Uh, I don't see a ton of pushback coming from the EU right now, um, but um, but I think yeah, I think that it's grassroots efforts um, that are going to prevent this stuff from happening, and pushback from the companies who will be subject to the eventual regulations. Okay, thanks very much. At Foster, I also had the opportunity to talk to someone from a project which is associated with a Tor project, uh, the Tor project for anonymization on the internet of your data. And uh, he is uh, part of a project which is called Nos Unions, which means our onions. And uh, he explains to us what it is all about. Um, I'm OP. So it's just my nickname, actually. And do you want me to explain? Yeah, could you briefly uh, explain for those who haven't used Tor yet, what is the Tor project, very briefly? Okay, the, the Tor project is uh, a network that provides you um, anonymity and privacy uh, on your, on your uh, HTTP-based uh, navigation. So it, it's... Um, Your, your connection is routed through three relays um, randomly selected that that hides your EP address and your geolocation to the website that you visit and that hides the website that you visit from your uh, internet service provider. I think what many people don't know about Tor is so you, this is to anonymize your traffic so the server on the other side cannot see your IP where you're coming from. That, that's right. Recently, with, with the terror attacks and everything, we have heard many uh, politicians say anonymizing and encrypting uh, web traffic, it's only what terrorists do. We need to stop this. We need to have access and to see everyone. Everything everyone does on the web has to be transparent. What would you say to that? I, I asked this, these people to give me their password for the mailbox. If they have nothing to hide, I, I want to see what's in the 
in the living room. I want to put a camera in the bathroom. If if we have nothing to hide, so show show us everything. And these people, politicians, are, are not the the most transparent people. So I think we we should not trust them. Have you have you in the tour project have received any pressure due to this? I, I'm not directly in the tour project, so I can answer this. But I guess tour project people are are confident, and no, it's it's good. Uh, and people who can now you can run a server where the tour traffic exits towards the web, uh, and so do do you know of any people who run a tour exit node that have run into problems? Um, on on the beginning five or four years ago, yes, but now um, police uh, police in most countries understand that they can uh, they can. I don't know. They can such problems to people that run exit nodes because uh, when you run an exit node, you you, da you don't know uh, who came in and what came out. You you just transport information. So uh, I, I'm representing Nozonion, that's a French-based organization that run exit nodes, and we have some um, police contacts. They 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 ask us uh, what's that IP address, and we just say it's an exit node. We don't know everything. Thank you. Bye. And that's it. They don't bother you anymore. No, not anymore. Uh, if you run an exit node uh, on your own name, on your house, with your IP address, you you can expect police to knock at your door. That that's why uh, we encourage people to to gather in, in collective organization to, to to run exit node because an association uh, doesn't have a door to lock on, to, to knock on. So it's it's safer to run exit nodes collectively than personally. And the fact that there is um, um, websites that, like the Silk Road, which was taken down by the CIA, I guess, that ran in Tor, is that bad for your reputation? It's, it's bad for our our reputation, but that's that's a global world problem. You, you, you can you can buy drugs on the streets, and that's why some streets have bad reputation and some streets don't. It's it's not really a. A tour issue. Uh, bad people will use every every means they could have to 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 do their bad stuff. And yeah, it's bad. It's bad for us. But now you can see that Mozilla's uh, running some ton some ton nodes. It's it's not a, it's not an, an underground network. It's it's kind of a public network. It's about the community. Uh, do you know how many developers are working on Tor? Where are they? I, I don't know. As I say, I'm not in the Tor project, so so I, I don't know how many developers. But there are some, a lot of developers, a lot of good developers, really. And so, so just a word about Nozonion. Uh, what's is is it an uh, like a daughter project of Tor or something? It, it's it's. Um, It's a, a French, a French NGO, a non-profit association that run exit nodes, and we are some some of our volunteers are also volunteers in the tour project, so we, we kind of related. But it's it's independent. It's really local to France. It's like the tourservice.org organization in the US, and we encourage everybody in in their countries uh, to to gather and to to do the same as us, like gather and run exit nodes collectively. Thank you very much. Okay, and I am now with Matthias Kirschner from the Free Software Foundation Europe. 
Hi, Matthias. Um, what, in a nutshell, what do we need to know about the Free Software Foundation Europe? Uh, Free Software Foundation Europe makes sure that people uh, are in control of their computers, of their technology. That's the main uh, goal of FSP. And how can you achieve that? We achieve that by um, explaining people the relationship between um, technology and society and uh, economy. And uh, we uh, provide resources to uh, volunteers all over Europe to promote free software. We, um, we do lobbying uh, for free software. We, um, uh, we get people together who can uh, solve problems which we have at the moment in free software community, solve them and go further. So those are the main things. Mm -hmm. are, you, uh, are you based here in Brussels? If you say you're doing lobbying, in what way? Um, we, have, um, we don't have an office in, in Brussels, uh, but um, uh, our current president is living close to, to Brussels, and uh, so we, we do lobbying here with the Commission and the Parliament, uh, but also in other parliaments like in, in Berlin or in, in local governments uh, in, in other countries. So that's... Uh, yeah, we, we talk with politicians there and uh, explain them how they can benefit from free software. And um, yeah, uh, do politicians know a lot about free software already? Where have do you have to teach them? They know more and more about free software. So we we once started to um, to ask questions, official questions before elections, for example, and. Uh, so now we have a broader set of, of data, how well informed they are. And uh, before that, at the beginning, when we started to do lobbying with FSV, it was like, uh, oh, what are they talking about software? I don't care about software, so I don't listen to them. But um, after uh, several years now, in the, in the replies they sent to our questions, you see that they know what, uh, what free software is, and they um, begin to understand the implications of software to our society. So it's... Uh, it's a good development there for, for the mm -hmm. parties. But of course, I mean, it will still take us years until they fully understand what, why free software is important for, for society. Mm -hmm. um, one, one of the issues is perhaps uh, the openness in, in documents, something like that? Yes, we, one of the issues is always like open standards in general so that uh, people can exchange documents or also other um, uh, protocols and they don't have to use the same software. So uh, we explain them a lot why open standards are important so that uh, in the end um, free software can compete with uh, non-free uh, software because it's using the same standards. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the recent discussion... Uh uh, after terrorist attacks, politicians always come out and say we need more control. Um, everything needs to be visible. Everything needs no encryption. Uh, whoever encrypts uh, or stuff like that is, is potential terrorist. Are you uh, taking part in that discussion? Partly. I mean, we, we always explain pe uh, people that it's important that society can control technology and that it's important that everybody can can make sure that he controls or she controls what's going on on the computer and what is going out on the computer. So um, this is an issue for governments themselves, so that they make sure that the information stays in, in their area, but it's also for everybody, for all people here around us, that, that they are able to do this. So, um, yeah, with... with all the breaks now and the discussions we of course have to explain again what benefits you have from keeping things private 
keeping things secure for yourself and that uh, um, saying everybody has to use uh, no encryption. I mean, what should we do if banks are not allowed to use encryption? So why should uh, individuals not be allowed to use encryption? So, yeah, and uh, what we do there is we, we explain people how they can encrypt stuff with our uh, leaflets about uh, email encryption. We also distribute that to politicians, like in the European Parliament. Uh, we translate it into several languages, so there is no language barrier. And uh, we think encryption is, is important for a free society. Okay, that was my little roundup of FOSTEM 2015. If you would like to hear more, you certainly have seen that Ken Fallon has done dozens of interviews of the very interesting at FOSTEM as well and put them out well before I put this on HPR. There's a little SoundCloud page that I add in the show notes where there are some more interviews I have done. Uh, if you want to see a picture gallery of photos I took at Fostum 2015 to see what it looked like, uh, also add a link on the show notes. Uh, this is Chuby Frank signing off for this time. Thanks for listening and take care. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.